0: Hello and welcome to a special mini-sode of Yield Crime, the show where Maddie and I discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear every Wednesday. This special bi-weekly segment is called Can You Crack the Cramp Word, which is slang for a difficult or obscure term, which I thought was very fitting. And joining me today is Jane Amelia Larson from the Bonus Babies podcast, and before we begin, I'd like to give her the opportunity to tell us a little more about herself and her show before we get started.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me on. This is fantastic. I love your podcast. I think it's really, really good. Thank you. And I'm so glad that we met. So, I am a creative content producer in Los Angeles, and I have a podcast called Bonus Babies, which is a term that I, or rather, a title I had trouble coming up with because I wanted to put in different spin on foster care. I -hmm. volunteer with youth in foster care, and I'm a CASA, which is a court-appointed special advocate volunteer with youth in care, usually one child at a time. They have it in every state, and it was started about 50 years ago by a judge in Seattle who said, the foster care system isn't working. These kids don't have advocates. They need a voice in court. Will somebody help? And all these people stepped up to help, and that has grown now across the nation. And I learned about CASA when I was volunteering with an organization called Peace for Kids here in L.A. And I kept on hearing the word CASA, 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 CASA. I was like, what is a CASA? Mm-hmm. And so I learned what, they, what CASAs do. And I said, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going all in. And shortly after that, I thought, you know, I want to write about this. I'm I'm a writer as well. And then I realized, no, let's just do a podcast about it. Mm -hmm. So my podcast is gives a 360 view of what's happening in foster care because I Mm -hmm. talk to kids, attorneys, lawyers, therapists, social workers, people who volunteer with youth, people who are former foster youth or have a lived foster care experience. And I say lived foster care experience because there's many people who are have a lived foster care experience and we don't think about it. Like, I knew a, a girl when I was in school who was living with her grandparents. Her parents were kind of MIA. Well, that's a lived mm-hmm. foster care experience. She wasn't living with her bio parents. And we all have those mm-hmm. in our family or in our immediate circle or in our extended circle. So uh, the problem is that the term foster kid, foster has so much negative stigma on it. It's so much... Mm-hmm. They're usually bad actors. They end up in in crime. They're troubled youth who nobody can help, blah, 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 all that stuff. And it's not true. I've worked now with kids in care for years and years, and they're just kids whose families have mm-hmm. failed them. And then mm-hmm. stuff happens to them because they don't have the stability and the love and all that good stuff that we all need. So... I decided, as I said, to do a podcast, and I was searching for a term, searching for the term. I didn't want to say foster kids, foster youth. And I thought, well, what what's a different way to say it? I didn't want to say at risk. I don't like that term either. Yep. So I'm, I'm asking around, and my friend Dory, who was the first guest on my podcast, is a foster mom, and she's fostered over, I think, 30 kids in 20-something years. And wow. she calls her kids bonus babies. She doesn't call them foster kids. So I was like, yep, that's, that's the name. I'm, I'm going with it. That's it. So that's the story. That's a lovely way to describe it. I think so too. They very often are bonus babies, you know, truly bonus babies. And, and the truth is they are. They're kids. They're like kids who need us. That's it. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. Yep even if they are yep. troubled, even if they are traumatized, and even all that stuff that goes with what happens to kids in foster care. And speaking of that, I just want to mention that the episode you did on the origin of foster care is so good. And if your audience hasn't heard it, they should absolutely find it. It's stunning. Really, really, really mm-hmm. good. Yep. And the depth of
0: information and scope uh, and yet very very heartfelt so anyway it's really mm-hmm. well done thank you if you're curious to what Jane's referring to it's episode 143 about Mary Ellen Wilson and that's
1: that's right where that's we right. did
0: the deep dive yeah it's it's always hard when you're talking about kids but it it's it was a very important topic to discuss because so much good came out of this horrible thing that people weren't talking about. And it was a thing that, like I mentioned in the episode, that people kind of knew about, but you weren't allowed to do anything. It was kind of this unspoken thing, like that child abuse and neglect and things just happened, and that was just that was just it. That was just what was expected, and no one could do anything about it. And it just takes one person to be like, no, we're going to do something about it. Yep, we're going to do something about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Same thing with the judge you mentioned that was like, we need advocates for these kids. And now it's it's a thing that's kind of all over the country, you know? So it's it's one of those things where it's like, it, it doesn't take a village. It just takes one person to be like, no, this isn't right. Like, this isn't okay. We're going to fix this. Yeah. And we're still working to fix it, but.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I'm not sure if you know this, but now with the opioid crisis, there's more kids in foster care than ever before. And they're not just in the urban communities, which people think. They, they think it's it's happening in New York, Boston, Chicago, L.A. Of course, L.A. has a huge population in the dependency system, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it's happening in Vermont, in Tennessee, Kentucky. A- anywhere there are people who yep. can procreate, then they have kids in the dependency system. And now, because of the opioid crisis, that it's basically an epidemic. There's 650,000 kids in care at any one time. And I say at any one time because sometimes they're in, sometimes they're out. I know many kids who've been in care who are with their mom for the first years of their life, and they get the mom loses custody of them. She has to earn it back, and then they get back with her for a little while or not, and then they go back into the system. Mm-hmm. And 650,000 is roughly equivalent to the population of Baltimore. That's how many kids are in care. That's crazy,
0: that's crazy.
1: If you don't mind me asking you, why did you
0: respond so so deeply to this issue? Part of it is I spent some time, I think the time that I was employed there and also the time that I did some volunteer stuff for them. I used to work for a nonprofit called Attach So ATTACH is the Association for Training on Trauma and Attachment in Children. Wow. Yeah. I was actually going to send you the information of... I want them on my podcast. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to send you Mary's information after our interview because I think she'd be a great person for you to talk to. And it's an organization that's based out of Minneapolis. And their whole goal for their organization is to provide... Resources for parents and professionals and caregivers who have children that are either in the foster care system or that they have recently adopted to kind of work them through attachment issues that children have as a result of the trauma of being separated from their parents or just being in the system, you know, things like that. And it's a really good resource. They have a list of Professionals that have done a certain certification program that they can refer parents to. They partner with a lot of different organizations that specialize in the different types of t- of care that children need in regards to treatment and therapy. And they offer a yearly conference with has a bunch of speakers and they do monthly webinars. And it sounds terrific, really so terrific and really useful. Yeah, it's a great organization. And the people that work there are amazing people there. I mentioned Mary, and she has three of her own children that she adopted. So she's, she practices what she preaches. You know, She's very involved, and it's just a great organization. So that's why I'm kind of passionate about it, because it's something where I've worked at a nonprofit that specializes in that. And it's something that I, I care a lot about.
1: Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And I, it made a big impact on you, right? So there's something I want to mention while we're talking about it. There's a great organization that's also nationwide in case anybody's interested in maybe adopting a child who needs a home. And mm-hmm. there's many, many that do. It's called Adopt Us Kids. And the founder, Hank Fortner, is, is a guest on my podcast season two. And he's so passionate about adopting kids and taking care of kids. And he, in in his own family of origin, there were were bio children and then also adopted kids. And then he himself now as a a parent has also adopted kids and he realizes how truly special it is. And also how challenging it is, just what you're talking about. Those situations, the families and the kids, they need extra help. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know until I started the podcast that there's such a thing as a failed adoption. I remember hearing it thought what is a failed adoption? Well, mm-hmm. it happens. One of my guests was adopted as a small child. It didn't work. It didn't take. It didn't whatever, and the mom put her in foster care when she was a young teenager. And then she was in and out of foster care until she was 18 and then aged out. And that happens many, many, many times and probably because the mom didn't get the support that she needed. Or if you listen to that episode, and her name is Mary Harding, according to Mary, actually, her mom never should have adopted any kids and Mm -hmm. never really cared for her ever from the beginning. Because Maria Harding wasn't perfect, her mother didn't want her. Anyway, that happens too.
0: I've heard about that as well. And it's something where... I know with working with Mary and like meeting her, her kids and kind of hearing what other parents are going through and the struggles that they face. It's a lot of things that going into it, you wouldn't anticipate those types of things. Like there was a child that was always hoarding food yeah. because they didn't, they didn't have access to it, regular access to it in the past. Yeah.
1: They were worried they weren't going to eat again.
0: Yeah. That, that happens yep. a lot. Yep. hmm Yep. So they were given a specific, like, cupboard. Like, this is where all all your food is. Like, you can take anything out of this cupboard. You know, this drawer is all yours. This shelf on the, in the fridge is all yours. You can take whatever you want out of it. Like, you never have to feel like you don't have food. This is all your food. Wow. And wow. those are things that you, you wouldn't think about, you know, because you wouldn't realize that that would be some, uh, a trauma that you would have to even consider in regards to a child.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I also learned uh, I learned of that and actually that happened with me with my first casa kiddo who has now been very happily adopted by the way she's doing really really well.
0: Aww.
1: yeah, it's really great and I'm about to be a, a or I was just assigned my second child and just at the beginning of that relationship. But my first kiddo, she used to hide food underneath her bed and mm-hmm. underneath her pillow. And in case she needed it for later, because that's how she knew how to survive. Mm -hmm. What a great solution saying, this is, this is your safe place. All your food is safe Mm -hmm. here. (laughs) This is your drawer where all your food is safe. (laughs) That's great. That's a good solution.
0: Yeah, it is a good solution. And it's something that, you know, I wouldn't have thought of. And that's why I think it's such a great resource to be that they offer, like having these webinars with other parents because then the it's almost like they're just kind of giving the parents the option to riff off of one another yeah
1: it's a learning experience
0: yeah like like I'm having this this issue has anybody else experienced it and someone would be like oh yes we did this with it and it seemed to really help and then they're able to kind of share ideas about ways they've been able to navigate whatever sort of trauma they're dealing with with their their foster child or their child that recently adopted. And it's, it's just something that I think more people should be aware of just because I can't imagine how difficult it would be to go into a situation like that and just kind of have no idea what to do or what to even expect. And, you know, I don't know what the resources are that are currently available either.
1: Yeah, you know, they do have training and there's licensing that needs to happen. But the truth is the there's so many unknowns and each kid is so different and mm-hmm. each person is so different. So even just the way that those things work, it's, it, it, it's going to be fluid. It's going to change. It's going to be challenging no matter what, even if everything on the table is I love you, your mind forever, no matter what happens. That's stuff is going to come up. That is, is going to be, there are things that the both the child and the, adoptive parent or foster parent too, because that same thing happens to foster parents. They're constantly having to figure out how am I going to manage this? How can I take care of the kid? And by the way, these are the good ones. There's a lot, a lot of bad ones. And I will yeah, just want to say that foster parents get a really bad rap in part because there are a lot of people who should not be foster parents. And there are a lot of people doing it for the money. It's a business. I have one guest who calls it the foster care business. There's no doubt about that, that exists. But there are many, many, many good people out there who are taking kids into their home. they are giving them a loving, supportive, safe environment that the kids desperately need. So there's a lot of people doing really good work. But just to go back to the foster care business, I remember when I totally got that, I was in a meeting, it's called a CFT meeting. It's basically a meeting for the child, in which the caregivers there, and all the other people involved on that child's team. And that could Mm -hmm. be quite a number of people, depending on what challenges that kid has. So in my case, there were a lot of behavioral issues and also educational problems. And I was in that room for the first time, I was new to the case, and there were 12 people in that room being paid to be there. And I, as the CASA, was the only one who was not paid. And that's how important hmm. casa is. casa is not being paid to maintain that child. casa is a mm-hmm. volunteer to act in that child's best interest. And I remember looking around the room like, everybody is on the dime. In this room, nobody would have a job if it weren't for that one kid. And mm-hmm. that was like a wake-up call to me of, about how deeply flawed the foster care system is and the billions of dollars that are spent poorly on kids who need love and support and security. Uh So
0: that's, that's my piece. (laughs) You kind of answered two of my questions as we, as we have been talking. So I guess the only question I have left is, what do you look for when it comes to choosing someone to be on your show? I, guess, I forgot show. you had questions. About,
1: sorry. I'm just I'm like on a rant.
0: <laughs> I know because we've just been talking. So it's kind of like I kind of forgot as well until I looked back over at my notes.
1: Okay. So what do I look for for a potential guest for the show? Mm-hmm. I'm looking for anybody who has been in the foster care system, who has lived with other Kids in care, for instance, a sibling. I just had a, a, a recent guest who's a who had foster siblings. She's the bio mm-hmm. child of her family, but has had foster siblings. She's written a wonderful book called Meatball and Birdie. It's a children's book about what it's like to be a child in the house where foster kids are coming in and out. So anybody who has lived or worked with kids in care, and that means anybody who has been exposed to the system, either because they're working in it, because there have been a teacher or, say, a therapist with kids who have been in the foster care system. But most importantly, what I'm looking for is people who are willing to share an authentic story that is real and that they're willing to dig deep. And that sometimes is very difficult to do, especially for the the guests whom I've had on the show who have very troubled backgrounds, who were deeply traumatized. For them to have the courage to speak about it again on a podcast and to essentially relive it, it's pretty hard to do. And I'm just astounded by the commitment and the courage that so many of my guests bring to the, the podcast. They they really do. Now, as you know, when you're vetting guests, there's a little bit of back and forth and you're, you know, is it a right fit or are they do they answer emails <laughs> i mean you know do i should I text them or email them or are they going to look at the instructions about how to make as good a recording as possible and you know the challenge is how to make that happen when i i will often start a session and i realize they they didn't read anything i sent them zero but they want to tell their story so I figure out a way to make that work in the moment. And so far it's been happening pretty well. I have a lot of really talented friends who help me and I'm a nonprofit, so it's bonusbabies.org. And I've had people that I have contributed, which is fantastic, some foundations who have contributed to make sure that, that kids in care have a voice and that I'm allowing them an authentic space to tell their stories as frankly mm-hmm. as possible. So that's really what I'm looking for is somebody, anybody, and everybody really, I'd say that very clearly, everybody who is just willing to say the truth because I think we don't want to think about what's happening in foster care. We don't. And we don't really hear about it a lot. It's easier not to think about. It's easier to say, oh, you know, I'm I'm overwhelmed with my own stuff or, oh, that's so tragic or, gosh, gosh, oh darn, you know, and all that. And then you just stop thinking about it. But the reality is the kids really need us. Interestingly enough, what I have discovered, and this is actually, it's not me that's discovered it. I'm just repeating what I've heard, but I've, I've learned it to be true, or I've observed it to be true. That kids about us, that any stories about kids with a lived foster care experience are super compelling. And that's the reason why most of our, superheroes had a lived foster care experience. Superman, Batman, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, almost everybody you can name on that hero's journey, superhero, superhero's journey, has been either, they've been in foster care, raised by their uncle, raised by the grandparents, was an orphan, living with a bunch of other orphans. That's the superhero story, and it's also the bonus baby story. Kids that make it out of the system, that build a life for themselves, they, oh man, they, they had, they had to do heroic things to make that work. Mm-hmm. Truly heroic. Mm-hmm. The resilience that's required, the grit, the determination, the adaptability. What I've observed too is that the typical kid from care is super observant, hyper vigilant. They're constantly assessing. What's going on here? Who can I befriend? Who should I stay away from? Who's going to hit me? Who's going to feed me? Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to reject me? Who's going to hurt me? It's a constant thing Mm -hmm. that they're they're clicking it off, clicking it off, clicking it off. And that's exhausting for any child or adult or anyone. So my hat's off to these kids. I want to say one other thing that a lot of times when people... When I talk about the podcast, before people have listened, they say, oh, that sounds so sad. Oh, I'm so sorry. Whatever. No. the mm-hmm. My podcast is filled with stories of triumph. Triumph mm-hmm. over trauma. Yeah, the kids go through hard times. But amazingly, repeatedly, they save themselves. They get out of whatever mess their parents have put them in and go on Mm -hmm. to a better, better life. Many of my guests literally saved themselves. Vaughn Laws, at three or four years old, jumped out of a third-story window to stop being the punching bag for his mother. He knew he had to save himself. Yeah, he had to save himself. He put himself in the hospital, broken bones, took months and months of recovery, because he remembers, she's going to kill me. If I don't do this, Mm -hmm. she's going to kill me jumped out of the window. J.C. Cortez, after being sexually abused by family members, started carrying a knife. And the next time her older foster brother tried to abuse her, she pulled out that knife and she said, one more time and I'm going to hurt you. And then she walked herself to the police station that was miles away and said, I'm being abused. Somebody help me. And a cop helped her. A cop believed her and helped her. So those stories uh, occur over and over and over again. And luckily, a lot of those stories are on the podcast. So it's not all trauma is my point.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've always heard my foster family say that family's so important, but the people that hurt me the most was my own family. The foster care
1: system has no easy answers, only hard questions. Bonus Babies is a podcast that explores the daunting complexity of foster care by hearing from kids forced to navigate that maze. And when I finally reached like the head of the snake, the head of the snake is telling me you called too late. I'm Jane Amelia Larson and I'm a court appointed special advocate. We're called CASAs and we volunteer with youth in foster care. My job is to be the child's voice. You'll hear raw, hard-hitting stories of trauma from kids in care. You're
0: not going to jump me in like, I don't want a gangbang. Like, I'm never going to be from the gang.
1: But more importantly, you'll hear stories of triumph. And we'll learn these children are adaptable, resourceful, and amazingly
0: resilient. I remember thinking to myself, even when I won, I was like, this is cool. But I don't feel happy. It was just like, this is what you do to get another scholarship. I also talked
1: to attorneys, social workers, caregivers, parents, and more about what's really happening to these kids. Stories about kids in care permeate our pop culture. Superman grew up in a foster family. And shows like This Is Us, The Fosters, and even Guardians of the Galaxy, catapult these narratives into our living rooms. The Bonus Babies podcast continues that mission. We feel that the children that we receive coming into our home are bonuses. So we call them Bonus Babies.
0: I love that. Please donate today. Well, I don't have any other questions for you. So are you ready for the Victorian slang term portion of the interview? No, I'm not ready. <laughs> no, okay. I'm I'm really going to try to be ready. Okay.
1: I'm I'm really going to try. Let me just focus. I've done a little reading to prep for this, but then I realized I don't know how to prep for this. There's no prep. So there's absolutely no prep, especially because a lot of the stuff we've, figure out later is actually wrong. People think all these acronyms come from certain terms and they don't. And that's all I'll mm-hmm. say on that. So go ahead. Okay. I'm I, I, I'm ready. I'm going to concentrate.
0: Your first term is jumble gut lane.
1: And what does jumble gut lane mean? Mm-hmm. It's the equivalent of the meat district in Manhattan, which is where all the All the animals get butchered or slaughtered, cleaned up. That is a good guess. But it's not that. But it's not that. Wait a minute. I have a second guess. Okay. Is it the
0: morgue? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Jumble Gut Lane is a bumpy road that shakes you around as you travel down it.
1: Okay. It sounded much scarier than that. Way, way scarier. I know. But that does make sense, of course, jumbled gut. You're like shaking up now. and
0: then yep. your guts yep. all get jumbled. Wow. Yep. So descriptive. I know. So your second term is carrots. How's it spelled? Carrots, like the like the carrots that you would eat. <laughs> <laughs> is it something lewd? Nope. It's actually it's gonna be it's a a descriptive term for something. A tease, a tease like a the
1: carrot and the stick. The carrot is the is the like like the sweet bit, the morsel, the thing to entice you. That is a very good guess. Uh, I'm
0: wrong again. You're wrong again. Carrots is a coarse or satirical term for red hair.
1: Get out. Wow.
0: <laughs> that makes sense, too.
1: Wow. Okay, do I get a third try?
0: Would you like a third one?
1: Yes, I'd like to get one right. Okay. I think I'm going to get them all wrong.
0: I think all your guests get all of them wrong, right? <laughs> Every once in a while, people, someone will get one, okay. and it's, it's pretty awesome. Let's see. Let me find one. A1. Like the letter A and the number one.
1: All right, let me think this through. I want to get this one right. We know that A1 sauce here is that like a steak sauce, a Worcester sauce. So A1. How about A1 is the term for top notch, like the very best thing? You're right. Ah,
0: oh, got one! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yay! It's
0: first rate and the very best. And I have an anecdote about that. So. My husband and I were driving around and we passed this place called like A1 Locksmith or something like that. And he's like, do you know why businesses named themselves A1 whatever? And I was like, because they thought they were the best? And he's like, no, because they'd be the first thing that came up in the phone book.
1: Yeah, it's like AAA, right? To put to be at the beginning of the phone book. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: And I didn't think about that and then when he said that I was like, "Oh man, that makes so much
1: sense. So much sense." And, and also cuz A1 would even before would be before AAA. Yep. Because whatever is the the letter than the number is going to come before. Wow, that's interesting. Of course, now yep. does that matter since we don't use phone books? It know. doesn't
0: matter anymore, but I was just like, that's really like smart. Like I didn't yeah. I didn't even think about that, but it's so a good job. You got one. I got one. One out <laughs> of <laughs> Well, I would like to thank Jane for joining me today for Can You Crack the Cramp Board? And before we go, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and when new episodes of your show come out? Absolutely. So I've been on a short hiatus
1: because I've been researching, prepping and all that good stuff. but. They can go to my podcast website, which is bonusbabies.org. They can find bonus babies on all podcast platforms Apple, Google, Pandora, Spotify, all that stuff. Instagram is Bonus Babies' Podcast. Twitter is Bonus Babies' Pod. Facebook, Bonus Babies Podcast. And then they can find me, Jane Amelia, on LinkedIn as Jane Amelia. And there's also a Bonus Babies page on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for this. This is yeah. been super fun.
0: Yeah, it's been really fun and very interesting talking to you as well. I mean, obviously, as we've been talking, you can tell it's something that I'm passionate about. So Yeah, I so appreciate it. Really, I do. I. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay, and I'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.